All right, welcome to the show today. We have a brand new intro. You notice the music that's running in the background. We're still the Gospel for Life, and we still have, you know, the, the normal cohort. We have Pastor Jonathan Van Hoogen from Dayspring. How are you, brother? I'm doing great. And we have Russ Herman. Now, in our old intro, you, you just mentioned the fact that when your name gets mentioned, it's this big, you know, what? There's the, a symbol that comes There's a symbol after that are clanging. You would like it to be uh, in Andrew, there still. can you make sure that the symbol clangs when we say, and starring Russ Herman? No, it never said starring. <laughs> the music just implied it. <laughs> from from Cloverdale URC, good That's to see right. you, brother. It's good to be here. Uh, my name is Josh Bells. I'm from The Well Church, and we have a special guest today, Ryan Hempel from Treasure Valley RPCNA. How are you, brother? I'm hey. doing well. Thank Tell us what me. RPCNA yeah, is. No doubt. RPCNA. Um, it's a long acronym for one of the smaller Reformed denominations. Uh, <laughs> Reformed Presbyterian Church of North America. There you awesome. Go. Now you planted recently here in town? We did. Yep. We have started, uh, we started back at last June. So mm -hmm. we are currently in Meridian, uh, meeting at a little building down there. And uh, if you want to look us up online. Shameless plug, BoiseReformPresbyterian.com. No, that's good. So, we like the shameless plugs. Yeah. We're pretty <laughs> <laughs> Just ignore the map on the website. We're having issues with that little map. What's the website one more time? Uh, BoiseReformPresbyterian.com. All right, cool. Do you guys want to plug your stuff? Yeah, <laughs> because we can probably do I, I that after the like earlier banter. I think I'm out for a little while. <laughs> I was going to ask, since I was last, do I get a symbol? Uh, yeah, we, like we can do a gong or something, good. you know? <laughs> Um, okay, so um, I there's a book that recently came out w within the last couple of years. Uh, what happens when we worship by Jonathan Cruz, and we're we're starting this series today because I think many of us as evangelicals don't we, we go to worship. We know that we ought to worship, but we don't know what's happening in worship. We, many of us haven't even stopped and thought. Is there something happening in worship? Is something happening between us and God? Is something happening between us and each other? And um, and I th I think it's fair for our listeners to be sitting there thinking, wait, didn't you guys just do a whole conference on this? What's yes, your, we did. What's your obsession with this? Why do we keep talking about this? You guys are acting like worship is the most important thing. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. Shoe drop. <laughs> <laughs> and... We do think worship is Amen. the most important thing. That's and right. so the reason yep. why we're giving so much attention is because we do believe it deserves that much attention. That's right. Um, not just simply because, you know, we read a book on it or we've come across it. Um, this is the heartbeat of, of all of us in the room that worship is ultimate. Yeah. Um, and wrong views of worship, wrong ideas about worship um, is detrimental to us as humans yeah. and so we're hoping that we in this short little series we don't have all the answers but we hopefully can direct you to what god's word does talk about um worship and help provide hopefully some some clarity on this and and hopefully allow all of us to be more biblical with regard to how we view worship and what happens at worship. Yeah, and I think it'll prevent us from from trying to dress it up, air, air quotes, dress up in a way that, number one, Scripture doesn't require, and number two, um, our experience doesn't require. I mean, one of the things that Cruz says in his book is that many people approach worship as though it were the ecclesiastical equivalent of Brussels sprouts, mm. uh, which we all know can only be stomached if they're roasted in oil, tossed in balsamic vinegar and honey, and heavily salted and 
And there you Sounds go. like a good diet. Certainly right? better <laughs> if it's yeah wrapped in bacon. But but worship is not Brussels sprouts. It doesn't mm. need to be dressed up. Like we don't need to add things to it uh, in order to be excited to make it palatable. To make it. I mean. I mean. It's almost like. I mean. What a, what a tragic thing that like okay we'll do everything we can to make sure that you are the one that is the center of worship exactly exactly that's right. I, just very quickly, do I have to excuse myself from these shows because that is exactly how I I do make Brussels sprouts? I like <laughs> no that you, is you my might, recipe yeah, right there. Yeah. It's delicious. Yeah. Might be a conflict of inter- yeah, well, interest. Yeah, that's what I <laughs> Okay, so. Um, well, maybe well, let's start here. So, why do we find church to be boring? Now, <clears throat> just to be clear, I got criticism on this question. <laughs> there, there could be listeners that that don't find church to be boring, and and for that we rejoice. Mm-hmm. But I do think that there is our a tendency to view worship as boring, as something that we we oh I need to go to church, or I have to go to church, or. I don't feel like going, but I know I'm I'm supposed to. So we get that our emotions are across the board, that it ebbs and flows, that there are some people that wake up on Sunday morning and say, I can't wait to go to God's house and be with God's people and be under God's word. But we're also realists in the room and know that that is not the experience of every believer every, every Lord's Day. I would agree. I think that, uh, you know, it's not – we're not talking about whether or not something is is boring to some and exciting to others. We're talking about what worship is. Mm-hmm. Uh, worship isn't uh, worship. Worship isn't feelings. You know, and worship is uh, a Godward direction of of uh, bringing praise and honor and glory to uh, God's name. Looking at what He's revealed to us in His Word and responding to that. You enter into, you know. We talk about worship as being a dialogue with God. Mm-hmm. So uh, when you open up, uh, perhaps you open up the bulletin of your church, and who had the first word in that worship service? Was it God or was it the people? Mm-hmm. Um, God calls us to worship. We respond to Him. Then yeah. there's a then you know there's a whole dialogue going back and forth sometimes the pastor or the worship leader is actually speaking for god sometimes he's speaking for the congregation but this communication is actually taking place uh, within that worship service and if you don't recognize that a communication is taking place um you're either passive in worship or, or uh, you know, or an actor in worship I mean, god is the focus of our worship we're not mm-hmm yeah and I think the whole idea is that if we see church as just simply an instrument to meet a felt need that we might have um, and if we approach it with the idea that somehow church and worship is about my entertainment or my um, satisfaction um, that I'm I'm going to encounter something that's exciting or fun or therapeutic. Um, that expectation really affects um, what is going on at church. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. When we go to church, we're going to 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 be with God and to be into His presence and to be under His word and be with His people and to sing His praise. And I mean. It's the direction that you you see it. 
is it about God? Is it about us? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and if we go with the mentality that it's about us, then it's easy to be disappointed. It's easy to be distracted and to find it boring. Yeah. But if we go with the idea that it's about God, the incredible thing is that when we go with that mentality that it's about God, that's actually when we receive the most benefit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Real quick, too, um, just for our listeners' sake, when we mention the word worship, we're not just talking about the music portion right. of the service. Yep. You want to expand on that a little bit? Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think a common phrase that we can hear a lot is, you know, worship, you have worship leaders, you have the worship band um, that lead kind of the praise aspect of the song, of the uh, worship service. But really, as God, considers worship and as we have it it's it's from beginning to end yeah you know we're 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 entering in and and in regard to the question i think there's a dynamic there too that can um when we begin to look at worship as a duty simply something Mm -hmm. that we're commanded to do versus something that we get to do a delight it's um something to delight in and one picture i always enjoy that's helped me is the idea that when we step into that service when God calls us into his presence it's we're stepping into that embassy of heaven yeah so and that's know, that's the language of of Hebrews right you have yeah. not come to Mount Zion or to Mount Sinai <clears throat> you have come to Mount Zion right to we're, heavenly we're Jerusalem. by faith entering directly into God's throne room joining you know all the way back to Abel saints of old yeah um and to our brothers and sisters around the world yep. uh, worshiping <clears throat> yep Sinclair Ferguson, I think it's in his book In Christ Alone, does some work moving through the book of, of Hebrews, and it's, it's some great insights. And there's a, um, a chapter in, in that book where Sinclair Ferguson makes the point that Jesus Christ is actually our worship leader. Yeah. <clears throat> um, and I found that to be helpful for me, mm. um, that in worship we are moving into the heavenlies, if you will. Mm-hmm. But it's at the the direction and leading um, of our Savior Jesus Christ, and uh, to me that helped change how I view worship. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, Charles Spurgeon uh, once said that um, the devil the devil has seldom done a cleverer thing than hinting to the church that part of their mission is to provide entertainment for the people with a view to winning them. And I think we've seen in the last, kind of ever since the Second Great Awakening with Charles Finney and the last century, we've seen entertainment-driven churches. Yeah. Tozer um, actually said something about, you know, churches spend more time entertaining goats than they do feeding sheep. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, we're, we're sheep. We need to be fed by the Word of God. We need to be, you know, it's not as much that we need to be entertained. We need to see how God is working, how, you know, we... In the proclamation of who he is and his attributes, you know, we're developing a, you know, the, when we understand who God is, then we become fully devoted followers of him. How could we be anything less than a follower of, of, of God and Christ when we know who he is and what he's done? Yeah. I think actually in worship right now, and and at least in the United States, you've got these two extremes. Um, the whole idea of the seeker sensitive, um, congregant-driven idea that you need to have um, incredible music and and even maybe the lights and 
It's all about the experience of the individual, about being in, entertained and engaged, and, and there's an emotionalism that, that goes along with it. Um, and on the, on the other extreme that has has a resurgent as of late is this mysticism, um, the high church type of idea of the old um, Catholicism. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and both of them, even though they're so different, you would say, well, they're not related at all. They actually are related, yeah. Um, because both of them are are appealing to the experience and the emotions and the feelings, um, the aesthetics of worship of the individual that's going. Yeah. And so, even though they take a different form, yeah, they really ultimately at their core are the, are the same thing. Well, and and this is what we learned at the conference this last year at Reformation Boise is that the the, the question is is what drives our worship service, what's the standard? And with the kind of seeker-friendly or experience-driven model and the the mystical model, it's the preference of the individual. Uh, at the end of the day, we should be asking, what what saith the Lord? I have to use some old, old English there. Right. What does the scripture say? Uh, because if if this is God's worship, if this is God's house, if this is God's people, we don't get to choose however we want to worship. And the Bible is full of examples of when people chose to worship how they wanted to, kind of bad things happened, like Nadab and Abihu, uh, you know, conjuring up strange fire. Or um, in the New Testament, when the Corinthians uh, chose to do the Lord's Supper how they wanted to, God, God judged that assembly. So, like, God is jealous for his worship. And, and God has clearly laid out in his word that there is acceptable and unacceptable worship. Um, it's not a standard that we've created. Um, it's a, a standard God has set. There's an acceptable way to worship me. There's an unacceptable way to worship me. And if he said that in his word, it behooves us to, to, to figure out, well, what is the acceptable way? And, maybe, and why does it matter? And maybe thirty seconds left. You know, to generalize it, the only acceptable way to worship God is through the mediation of Jesus Christ, based on the standard of His of His Holy Word, in the power of His Holy Spirit, according to those principles laid out. So, all, all to the glory of all the triune God. Yeah, thank you. All to the glory of God. How did I forget that one? Yeah. See, well, even you, pastors you can forget. <laughs> You've been listening to the Gospel for Life. Uh, we are so thankful that you were with us today. If you want to listen to our podcast, just subscribe at The Gospel for Life, and we will see you next time. 